You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. I want to grab just a couple of minutes before we start today's podcast and let you know about a new membership community that's opening up. It's called The Sandbox. Now, The Sandbox was explicitly designed so that folks like you, who have big dreams and goals, who are working on busting through limiting labels and beliefs, who are overcoming challenges, have a place to come, A, to be encouraged, to get tips and tools, to meet other people and share ideas, and just relax. So as a member, you're going to have exclusive access to an extensive library of training, tools, and resources that have been meticulously crafted over the years. But that's not all. You are actually in the driver's seat, so you can help shape the direction of the content and the sandbox. So what's actually in the sandbox? Well, there will be expert sessions that will be tailored to your needs with a focus on the questions that come from our community. There are group learning sessions, live trainings, Q&A sessions, and we will be sharing inspiring membership success stories. You will have an opportunity to learn and grow alongside fellow Sandbox community members. If you need guidance or support, our online forum is going to be the perfect space to engage with other members, ask questions, find motivation, and share your success with the Sandbox community. We are committed to your success, and that's why we're offering monthly challenges and support check-ins, ensuring you're always on track. So click the link below and put your name either on the waiting list or sign up today for the Sandbox community, and we'll see you there where the dreams will be unleashed and you'll start making rapid progress. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and in life. Hi, I'm Sarah, your host, and I am often referred to as the Vision Sherpa here at Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. Um, And we work alongside nonprofit leaders and their teams so that they can go after what they desire. And again, that's by aligning their vision, values, and beliefs with informed action. We actually like to say that when we serve a nonprofit, we serve them like our families and we always stay connected. There's just that heart connection to how they're doing, where they're going, what's new with them. Um, And I'm here to tell you that the life and the organization that you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. And our guest today is going to help me make that point with her expertise. We're going to be joined by Vicki Winkler. Now get ready for an intriguing episode because when Vicki talks, you're going to be listening to a seasoned marketing professional, entrepreneur, educator, and former Peace Corps volunteer consultant. That's quite a mix of experience. (laughs) With over 35 years of experience and owning two marketing companies, you know, Vicki brings a wealth of knowledge to the table that many people who put themselves out there as experienced marketers in the nonprofit sector don't have. But what sets Vicki apart is her belief in a no regrets philosophy, which I love that about her. She guides others to tap into their inner compass, making decisions without the burden of hindsight, and her diverse background and service in the Peace Corps have shaped her unique perspective. So with that, um, I'm going to ask her to share a few things about herself personally, and we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the conversation. Um, So let's formally welcome you to the show, Vicki. I know we've been chatting in the background before I hit record. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And I'm thrilled to be here. Really excited about where the conversation is going to go today. Well, that's an interesting point. So I plan, and listeners know this, we may hit all of them, but I really want to touch on a number of these topics. You know, why is it important for marketing and strategic thinking in the nonprofit sector? Why do we need to shift our mindsets and relationships in the sector? And 
really, what is that whole alignment between mission, strategy, and um, the difference or clarification between branding and marketing? Because I, I know a lot of times people think these are our colors. I'm thinking, well, your brand's bigger than your colors um, <laughs> and the importance of nonprofit. And then this little thing that always gets me is like that whole piece about nonprofits and the people, the grantors and stuff who don't see the value in budgeting for marketing so that they can effectively tell the story. So anyway, those are my list of things I want to talk about. But first, I want to ask you a couple of personal questions. Um, you said you are currently reading The Go-Giver or you have recently finished it. Is that right? That is right. Finished it. It's a nice quick read. It is a quick read. Yeah. Um, what is it or was it that you liked about The Go-Giver? Right. Well, you know, I've been in networking for many, many years. Basically, that's how I started my, my when I started my business, I jumped right into networking. That's how I grew my business. Um, so reading The Go-Giver was kind of a reinforcement of the philosophies that I embodied, which was about, you know, the giver's gain and asking. But but reading that book and having it take you through that story. I mean, one, as I said, it was a quick, easy read, um, but it, was, it has really, it's just like a paradigm shift of, and I actually am glad to be out of the seller seat and into the giver seat. Because now when I go into meetings and I meet with a potential client, I am, I, I actually am starting to think first, oh gosh, I've got to think ahead of time about how might I be able to help them get referrals, make connections with them. And it's amazing how the conversation, I may go into a conversation not thinking about selling to them at all. And the conversation usually ends up there though, because I'm asking them, first of all, how can I help you? What can I do? How can I make you more successful? How can I connect you with the right people? And 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 people are just like, wow, really? Like you're you they're just, it really takes their guard down, puts their guard down so that they're not kind of on that defensive. Like, okay, they've got to look for ways to kind of find holes in what I'm saying because I'm trying to sell them and they want to make sure they're not oversold. So I just, I love that. I love the paradigm shift that it's created and uh, just has improved my relationships with all the people I kind of come in contact with in my business. I love that book. I, li I listen to it and I don't know if you're a listener or a reader, but I just absorb through my ears so much better. And then I, then I end up buying the digital version of the book. So I'm going to go, okay, now how did that play out over there? But with this book by, and it's by Bob Berg and John David Mann. So I'm talking like everybody knows what the book is. It's simple, like you said, but the points it makes and the way it tells the story is so simple and easy, but I will listen to it over and over, you know, just, and first of all, it's read by them and they have a, they have really good voices to listen to and the cadence is good. So if you haven't listened to it, it isn't just about selling. It's actually about how to show up in life. And it's a framework. And I was so pleased when, when I asked that question in the onboarding process, what are you reading? And you put that in there. I started laughing. I'm going, Vicki, we're already going to connect on this. So, <laughs> um, so I do want to ask, though, you know, how did your service in the Peace Corps in Nicaragua as a small business consultant, how did that shape the perspective on the work that you do today? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things that impacted me after my time served in, in the Peace Corps in Nicaragua was that the individuals there often didn't have much money. They sometimes didn't have shoes on their feet. The children were sharing um, five, five children, now the next door to me, five children to one twin bed. And they had to sleep all different kinds of ways to kind of squish all in that. But they, these people literally had almost nothing compared to what we have. Yet they were the happiest people that I have ever encountered and the most generous and the most giving. And so I remember my first first day in, in one of the villages that I had moved into and I kind of took up shop and it was getting organized. And from next door, this little girl came over and she had a, a, a cup of rice pudding. And, um, and it was, oh gosh, this is wonderful. And it was delicious. And I thanked her and I, I met her family. Later on, someone told me that that family had no shoes for their children, that they, this was the family that was sleeping five children to a bed. So literally they had almost nothing yet. They, I don't know how much in value that was to them to bring over that rice pudding, but I'm telling you, it was a lot. And I just thought to myself, well, they, they, they have 
they have so little, but yet they want to give. They they wanted to give so bad that they were willing to give up things so that they could show their their generosity. And so in business, I think to myself, and it taught me, you can get by when you think you can't get by. You'll make it through. You're gonna, and it's that whole part of of being resilient and and just looking at your situation. And so, and there's always a way to make it work. There's always a plan B. And so it's never too low that you can't pull yourself up. And I think so, those are some of the things that, and that I resonated. It was a, it was many years ago that I did it, but it's definitely a life-changing experience. Well, it obviously stuck with you. The other thing that I think um, that w- as you were telling that story is we don't need, like there is a plan B, but also sometimes we hold on to things. We think, oh no, we have to get this out of whatever it is, this deal, this interaction. Mm. But it's that whole thing like, the tighter we hold on, the more restricted we are, constricted, right? So here are these folks, right? And they're welcoming a visitor. You're their neighbor, right? That's a huge thing to open up, like you were saying, you know, to give that generously. Um, What a lesson. Yeah, yeah. And and I've had times in, in business that, you know, we've, and I've, that I've held on to things. We had something, situation a few years ago where we had a large client that we had uh, was kind of grandfathered in at a low hourly rate. And it was actually a, a friend, I'm a business associate. And so we were kind of holding on to this client because I was afraid to let them go, knowing that we weren't getting our worth, that we're not charging our worth and that we could do better elsewhere. And, and that they they had another situation too, that would it, by by us separating would have allowed them to grow and be stronger and grow deeper. And it would allow us to move into other things. But I was so afraid of letting it go because it was such a large client and we'd had them for so long. And long story short is that I finally, I finally decided I can't let this hold me back anymore. And I just, I know it's the right thing to do. I had no idea what was on the other side of the fence. I was, and I just had to take that leap of faith. And literally one month after we let that client go, we got a new client that came in p- paying us double the hourly rate that that other client had been. And they were a client today and they are, they're one of our largest clients. And it just was that taking, just stepping back, taking that, that leap of faith and saying, okay, we're going to do this. And it's going to, and I just know it's going to be okay. I don't know how, but, um, but you just got to put those things and then things will align themselves. Well, and, I think about that too, is like when we're in that place where you were like, oh, should I let them go or not? I don't know what's happening. We're operating out of fear and mm-hmm. a sense of lack or scarcity. And when I'm in those places, because it's easy to get there, especially if someone's saying, oh, I don't know if you should do that or what will they think, right? It starts you doubting yourself or it can start doing that. And then you kind of, if you can step back from that, you go, yeah, but what if we don't? What is going to happen if we don't? We're going to be in this spot. And I may damage my own business, so we mm-hmm. can't help other people. I mean, there's that whole thing of flipping it like, oh, yeah, but what is the cost of staying where we are? Right, right, right. yeah. And it was part of that, my my no regrets philosophy, which is taking each situation, each big decision and saying, will I regret if I do this or I don't do this? And for for me, a lot of times, it's it was like the decision to leave my career, uh, my corporate career and join the Peace Corps. And like, people are like, you're crazy. What are you doing? You know, you have a really good corporate job. And, uh, but but I myself had looked at my life and said, when somebody presented the idea to me, I can't remember how it was. And it, it was just that little seed. And I was at first, I was like, well, I'd never do that. But, you know, cause I was, I was 32, I think when I did it. So I had already established in my career and, but I thought to myself, and this little seed kind of grew and it kind of kind of nudged, it kept nudging me, you know, in the shoulder, poking at me. And I thought to myself one day, I said, Will I look back on my life and regret that I did not do this? And I woke up one day and the answer was was absolutely yes, you will regret this. You've got it's a time in your life you you aren't married, you don't have children, you've just started your career, but you can you can get a new career or go back to this career. And so best decision I ever made. But again, it, and that really reinforced my no regrets philosophy. Um, and I use it for all the decisions that I that I make today, any of those big decisions. It's like, I don't want to look back on my life and say, oh, I should have done that. Um, and sometimes I think that I, I've instilled that a little bit too much in my 20-year-old daughter, 
Um, because sometimes she says she's going to do things and I'm like, really? And then I think to myself, okay, well, she's just, she, she's just like, she's just a mini me. (laughs) But how great, because that whole thing about regret, it's wasted, you know? And even if we do have regrets or go, I wished I would have done that at that point. Well, you're here now. So what is the thing you're putting off doing that because you, whatever reason, right? Make so that in five years from now, you're not going, oh, I wish I would have done that five years ago, right? Right. That's what I think when people say, they'll say, well, I really want to go back to school, but I'm already in my 70s, right? And then what will I do with it? And I said, you're going to be five years older at some point. Go. (laughs) You don't have to do anything with it, right? You have that, like you said, I just knew I needed to go. All right. Let's go back into you and marketing and nonprofits, which are all things that um, I love. I am not uh, I would not say I'm skilled at marketing, but I have come to appreciate it over the years in a whole new light. Because when I was running a nonprofit, we didn't talk about marketing. It was something that business did, but nonprofits, we, even though I ran a large nonprofit, money wasn't allocated for that. And I think about if we, and we spent a lot of time trying to tell our story, what did we do? People say, we want to donate, but we don't understand, you know, all that stuff. And I think in retrospect, how powerful it would have been had we had not just our name recognition more, but like being able to communicate more effectively. So how how do you help or how can like service of working with you or someone skilled specifically in nonprofit communication, how can that help nonprofits to deliver more, more value to their community and and be strategic in their marketing effort. Yeah. So I think that, you know, you and I touched on it maybe maybe before we we started recording. Um and you know, we talked about that, you know, it's 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 this kind of paradigm shift of, you know, these the nonprofit leaders and sort of that mentality of well, well we've got this good cause and so whatever we put out there, you know, people are just going to they're just going to sop it up and they're going to understand um but it, it it really isn't that way, especially in today's society. People are inundated with information. They are bombarded with marketing messages of all kinds, messages of all kinds. And even if they're in a place of need, whether it be substance abuse or whether it be breast cancer, they still need the marketing materials that speak to them, that are concise, that are consistent, that are organized well. And so... You know, it's it's not just, well, we all got together and we have a, a great thing that we want to do here and people are just going to gravitate to us. Well, to really put forward your mission and to really help and have more impact, it's so important to have your branding be right and have your marketing materials be right and and not to be putting together in a Word document and just typing it up and throwing in a, a couple pieces of clip art um, because, because people people, especially people in need, you know, they need things to be simple. They need things to be comfortable. And so they need to be able to get to the information. The information needs to be aesthetically pleasing to the eye so that it doesn't stress them out more than maybe in a situation they already are. And I think one key thing is is having a board of directors for a nonprofit leader to have a strong board of directors that understands that and that mission. And I know the really successful nonprofits that we work with they are backed by a board of directors that say, yes, we need to have some money allocated for marketing. And so let's put that into the budget to make sure it happens. So when you're working with those, and let's stay on that thread, because that's been something for me, like when I work with capacity building and nonprofits and we're looking at their finances and they don't have, um, like they are, their funders say we're paying for um, services. We're not paying overhead. We're not paying this. And I then I wonder, why are you taking that money, right? Because you, right. you can't run this, right? You're running yourselves ragged. So, and part of it is on the board, not understanding or having been educated in that. And, you know, when, when nonprofits are starting up and they're in the grassroots phase, there's a lot of energy around it. But when they start to get into the next level of development and it gets a little more stable, there needs to be structure there. So, Vicki, mm-hmm. how do you help? Like when you're working with a leader in a nonprofit, let's say that their board is, they're not against marketing, but they don't really get the impact of it. How do you help that executive director or the person who's reaching out to you 
bridge that gap in understanding. Yeah. Well, I think that we really try to educate the executive directors that we work with in showing and basically just, you know, showing them examples of kind of before and afters. And, and when you do this and then, and then you have this piece that looks like this and showing, you know, the programs that they're, that, that maybe have a grant for a certain program, but, but kind of showing them and just, and just sometimes it's, they don't know what they don't know. And just saying, you know, Hey, if you can't promote this program, to the individuals that are the recipients of your services, then it's then that the grant doesn't do any good for you. And so again, just really educating. I mean, I always offer to come in and talk to the board of directors um, to show them show them what we can do that would make things uh, better, have a broader art, outreach. You know, social media, whatever they do. And again, you know, the social media it's not just it's not just going to Google Images and throwing something up on there. Um, they, you know, it, it needs to really, it needs to be strategic. It needs to speak to the audience. And I think that when you have um, a leadership that really understands that, really understands the mission and the, the fact that getting the word out is, you know, you don't want to build programs for people who will, you know, there's so many other people out there that could could have been the recipients of the services. But, you know, you might get a grant, but then you just don't have the people who who are involved in the programs um, because they they either didn't understand the materials you put out or you just you didn't market them in the right way. So share an example from your professional experience of like a before and after. And if you're able to say the type of organization, their services, that's great. And if you can't because of client, you know, agreements, yeah. I understand that too. But let's talk about like some before and after that you've helped folks with. Sure. Yeah. So I, so I won't mention names, um, but we did have a client that um, they came to us. And so they, they did have, they had gotten a grant and part of that grant was, um, did allow them some marketing dollars, which was really nice. And they also used, I think they pulled some money from private funders um, to able to, to also help to build the materials for marketing the program. But it was a, um, it was a vape awareness of, for youth, um, for middle school, high school, and uh, early 20s. And basically, they had some flyers that they had put together. And they kind of brought us in. And we said, you know, these, these aren't, these aren't effective. I mean, they, they're not speaking to the target audience, they don't have the right graphics. And so we were able to put together a toolkit. And this toolkit had, uh, it, I mean, it was put together in such a way. So obviously, because we're always working with limited budgets. And so we wanted to put this print piece together. So that didn't have um, you know, fancy tabs and a booklet and spiral bound and everything like that. So we were able to put it together in such a way, though, that it still sort of had tabs and it was very user friendly. And each tab spoke to, you know, what is uh, what does vape look like? You know, this was um, a toolkit actually for parents to speak to their children um, about vape products. And so each it was really easy for them to say, you know, how is vape affecting my child's development? You know, what does vape look like? What do the different things look like? And so it, it really walked them quite easily through in this mini little toolkit. It was just a print piece, but it was so effective. And I loved it because when our team was developing it, my daughter was in high school and that poor girl, I had to sit her down and I, and, and, but that little toolkit, she even said, mom, this is great because, and I overheard her in a conversation talking to one of her friends or somebody that she knew about some of the things that she had learned from me and her and I going through this little toolkit. And it was just a simple little print piece, but it was organized so succinctly and answered the questions. And, and actually, I she had helped me put together some of the material because she's the target audience. And so you got to talk to your target audience. So I was very lucky to have a 20 or I, she was a high schooler in the house um, to bounce kind of this off and say, hey, do you think that that your friends and the people you're going to high school with, that this would resonate with them. And so, and we did some other focus groups, not just my daughter, um, but then that what that led to is it was so successful and the, the parents and the students um, found it so useful that we ended up creating toolkits for marijuana use and binge drinking and, and various other, you know, substance abuse. Um, and so it was just an example of how ineffective it was as a flyer and how highly effective it became when we put it together in just the right way and organized it in just the right way. 
what's great about that from like I'm now I'm listening, I'm putting my old executive director ears on and I'm listening, thinking that is so safe for me because I could, if that were my organization, say, I want to pilot test this. We're going to do it with vaping. But then it's successful. And I'm thinking, okay, what else could we do? Right. So then instead of people, either boards of directors or executive directors thinking we've got to have this huge, huge project, you can start small because you can iterate as you go and say, that was fabulous. And now we've got this and you can build on it over time. But it does bring your credibility up because as you're doing that, all your toolkits are going to have a certain look and feel that's consistent with the organization. Maybe not toolkit to toolkit, but overall, I would be able to recognize and say, oh, that's from XYZ. Right. Am I correct in that? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every and and I'm such an advocate of consistency. And so I love it. So on our our own marketing shop, um, social media, Facebook page, you know, when you go into the photos, everything is branded. Everything looks like. And so each post that we do, of course, has its own little flavor. But when you look at it all together, it's like, oh, that's all marketing shop stuff. It's got the same font, it's got the same color. And what that allows people to do is to not be distracted by uh, many colors and graphics and photos and images. And it helps them to focus on the content better. And I, there's been studies that have been done that show when you take a set of materials from an organization and, and if the, the branding is very inconsistent, things are all over the place, people are fumbling through and trying to, they're, they're, they're so distracted by it all that they can't focus on the content. And then you hand them say a, a press kit or a media kit with everything consistent they are able to pinpoint and focus in on the content of what's being communicated to them much easy, much more easily when things are branded and things are consistent. So ever since I learned of that and that study, it was years ago that I had seen the results of it. Um, it has just really honed me in on making sure that when we do things that they are very brand consistent. I We're working on a big video project. Two of them were just wrapping up now for two different um, organizations. But we had a similar conversation around the music, right? So like, instead of thinking, we were talking about like what music, and there's 10 different videos, right? Each has a different target audience, but the video producer, our, our Emmy award winning guy who I tend to defer to, right? Mm -hmm. He picked music, but the, the client said, I'd like it to be more upbeat like this. And, and so we talked about, okay, but what's the purpose of the video? And and I'm not, I didn't listen to the music, right? So I'm listening and I said, all I know is given your target audience, you can't have anything that's jarring because it will set them on edge, right? Like you were talking about things that are, um, I said, I know that's happy music, but honestly, mm -hmm. I don't want to hear happy. I want to hear the story you're telling me. I want to feel happy. I can get that through the imaging, right? Yeah. But I don't want this loud. That's partly me because I, I was like, too much noise, calm it down. But um, <laughs> but it was such a great conversation because he was making a similar point. He said, we can have the music any way you want, but I'm I'm trying to get people to know that when they hear or see something from you or they even hear that music, they will think of you. And they won't know why. He said, right. but if I play this thing, right? And so he did the first five or six beats of the McDonald's commercial. Like, you know what it is. You don't know what it is, but you know you know it. And he says, mm -hmm. that's of that consistent thing right? yeah which is yeah. yours like oh people can relax in it they go ah oh, we know it's the marketing shop right right it's yeah. a great gift so okay we talked a little bit about helping the boards or leaders to shift their thinking around the importance of marketing um but how like i know i've had this asked of me before too like but how do they write that in you know and and defend that to a funder or a grantor who isn't necessarily like the organization you just described where they got a grant for that, or it's a short-term grant. It's like, once it's done, you're done, right? Yeah. Well, I think that, I, I think that one is that a lot of people, you know, working in nonprofits and looking at different grants is that, that they, they might, you know, and again, it's hard sometimes in the beginning because you're kind of going for any grant you can get. Um, but I think it's important to look at the 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 RFP and even and talk to the funder of the particular grant and talk to them ahead of time about the marketing aspect of it and how important it is. And and sometimes I think that that means turning down and not pursuing grants 
that are not going to have that component as part of it. Um, and I do think that there is, uh, you know, that building up some of private funding and private donations is a way that you can have some funds that are not restricted that can be utilized for things like marketing that aren't uh, maybe necessarily in the grants. Um, but, you know, to, to try to in any way to make sure that that gets incorporated. Um, and it might mean saying no to some of the grants to, that just are, are not going to accept that part of it because it's so crucial. Um, and it really, it's really the difference between some programs making it or not making it. And, and a program that's been marketed correctly and has been successful is only going to help for future grants from that same funder, that same organization. And so they're going to want to see results. And if you know that without the marketing dollars that you're not going to be able to show results, well, then you might just be wasting your time because you maybe will get the grant the first time, but then you might not get it down the road because it hasn't been able to be effective. So again, and I know you've talked about not changing your mission and the things that you want to achieve based on what the grant is wanting to do. So like, well, we don't really kind of do it that way, but the grant wants us to do it this way. So we're just going to kind of say that we do. And then you end up doing a program that doesn't make sense for you, but just because you were trying to pull the dollars in and that doesn't make sense. So it can be hard, but you kind of have to, you just kind of have to hold out and know that the right things are going to come and in time and just kind of, uh, just kind of hold to it, you know, hold to what you feel is important and, and what you feel is part of the, really what the mission that they're trying to achieve. So sticking to your guns, basically. Yes, yes. And I think it's especially when you have a good board and you have a good team, having the willingness and the, I don't know if it's courage or bravery or just the taking responsibility, let's put it that way, because it, whether you are courageous or scared, it doesn't matter. But as a nonprofit employee, we are actually, when we're in that field, we are serving the communities who we have promised to serve, right? So we need to be yeah. the voice, the intersection between the dollars and the work. So it's fair and responsible to say, how does this align with our mission? Mm -hmm. Well, if we do this, it will. It's like, how does this align with our mission? If we do that, if we switch that, how does that impact us? Because mm -hmm. you're right, that's the tail wagging the dog thing. It's like, oh, this this money looks great. And it's like, okay, but what are you selling to get that? Like, I always think about it over the top. It's like, what part of my arm am I willing to cut off just to get that cash, right? Because I'll feel more comfortable now. And the answer is none. Yeah, yeah. Like nonprofits who've held out like that, like you said, they're patient. They've stayed the course. And I'm looking at them five or 10 years later and they're flourishing. Mm -hmm. And you know what? At the time, they were scared. For sure. For sure. So it's that's why I think they need nonprofits need champions outside in the for-profit world who will say, nope, they're they're holding those are good business practices. Those are good ethical practices. We need to support them. So when you're doing the uh, marketing, are do you ever market with a target of being the donors and funders themselves on behalf of them? You know, telling the story so that those are the people who you're targeting rather than the people who are being served. So you know, you're saying the targeting the the donors and funders and, um, yeah, and for certain. Um, and, you know, that's that's the the charity events and the charity dinners and, the you know, the picnics for families and the different things where and, and actually anything, any program, anything you're doing, they should always be thinking about the people that are supporting the organization and the, having a board of directors. And I, you know, kind of off track, but having a marketing person on your board of directors is, you know, so look for one, go out and solicit them. So, I mean, you know, soliciting for board of directors, board of trustees and soliciting for donors. And, and we do, we talk about having materials and marketing materials that resonate with your, your donors. They, they need to, and, and, and I say this all the time, is that they need to understand what their, where their dollars are going. And so we put together annual reports for organizations, for nonprofits. And I say, we always need to, we always need to show the success stories. And, and, you know, I always say we have to, in any annual report, we do always have to have success stories. So people can see the names and the faces and the impact and they want to see statistics. And so we need to figure out a way to collect those statistics, to collect the impact, whether it's, 
whether it's focus groups or surveys or, and it doesn't have to be extensive. You don't need to survey 10,000 people and tabulate all the results. You just, even if you're just talking to some of your stakeholders and showing those donors, and I tell you, donors like to see their names in print. So, you know, having lists of, and, and, and it's not just an ego thing. It's a, you know what, it's important. Hey, you have donated to this organization. It's okay. Stand up and be proud of that and show it off. Um, because it is, that's what makes our communities tick. It's that, that gap that the nonprofits are filling and that people need to understand that, that, you know, the government is not helping every aspect. There's so many underserved populations that, and that's those nonprofits that are coming through and they're the champions of those people and those individuals and those causes. And so, you know, it's okay, Mr. and Mrs. Donor, show off the fact that you have supported this organization. We're going to help you show it off and um, just be proud and just appreciative of your of your donors. And again, just the way that you communicate via social media, the, through the outings, uh, through you know, charity events, to make sure that they are front and center and because they are the ones that, that are supporting the organization on an ongoing basis. Yeah, I think that's so important. And when you mentioned the data and the impact, right, I had yesterday, he's going to be a future guest on the podcast, but I was speaking with this professor. He's young. I, he's so great. He's so funny. But he his whole thing is research. He is a research guy and he's teaching the next group of researchers how to research. And that, so I'm talking about nonprofits. And I said, so what do you do with a nonprofit who has great anecdotal data? but they don't have hard numbers. He goes, oh, I can get the hard numbers. It's not hard. I <laughs> says, can you do it by proxy? He goes, absolutely. You can tell me your story and what you're doing. I have research for similar places. And he says, we can get the numbers, but you want to get the numbers because people, some people want the numbers, some people want the heart. And I, so I'm thinking, okay, you're going to be a guest. And he says, oh, I'm happy to do that. But it's to the point you're making, right? If we can't connect the impact, um, but he also, as well as being a professor, works in nonprofits. He says, I've seen too many where once the grant funding's gone, project's over. And he says, think about the impact that is on the relationships with the people who you've brought into these programs who are now going, what's up, right? My teenager yeah. has no support now, or I don't, whatever. So it's so important to your point about really standing up as a champion of a nonprofit, whether you've donated financially or um, you show up and you're a board member and advisor, those are big deal things in the nonprofit world. It's not like, oh, that's a nice little side job. It's serious work. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can't, you'll need to, I really want to know when you do that interview, because I would love to hear about that because, it, yeah, I, I'm a, and I believe that too, is that you can always collect research. There's always a way and, um, and, and how important it is for nonprofits. Like you said, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's, right. it's not a research project, you know, you're not going to yeah. use it to get your PhD. You're using it to make a point and you want to use real data. That's his point. Yeah. He says, we don't have to lie. He says, but there are stories out there and I love to find them. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, and, man. Yeah. And sometimes the data is is just testimonials. Yeah. Is um it's just taking quotes from people that um have been in the program. All it takes is one success story, one person who has been heavily impacted. That and then that just it's just that that drop of water and the ripples that Small it makes. From it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that story also might connect to the heart of someone else who's like that person who's been sitting on the fence going, I don't know if oh, I yeah. can reach out. And they're going, oh, I'm kind of just like that person. Okay, yeah. I'm going, right? We never know when we tell our stories where they land, which is why I love having guests on the podcast. I don't know what's going to happen today. And I don't know if someone's going to listen to you a year or two from now, Vicki, and go, oh, my God, I've been waiting to hear Vicki's message. So, right. Do a little backup for me and let's talk some 101 and tell us the distinction between branding, marketing, and effective communications, how they link, how they're unique in those niches. Um, but where do people confuse those things? Yeah, well, branding is the all-encompassing. It's, it's that 
thing that has its tentacles or should have its tentacles and everything that either a profit for profit or nonprofit should have. It's the it's the way your employees talk to one another, the way they talk to people on the outside and the inside. It's the way your social media looks. It's the way your executive leadership acts and how that they communicate. It's the advertisements that you put out. It's your Google ads. It's your ads in the paper. It's everything that you do that's communication. And that's why actually my title when I was worked at the nonprofit that I did was director of communications because the um, the executive director did not want my title to be the director of marketing because he felt that communication, it was more than that. It was all the communications that we did. And so that's branding. And people often will think branding is just the logo and just the colors and the fonts. And that's part of it. It's a kind of the starting point, but then it really becomes everything. And I'll often tell people, your logo is such a, is really, really a small part. And then you have a tagline and then you have visuals and then you have images and then you have communication, all these things that need to all come together and be consistent. And then, you know, marketing is the marketing materials. But again, that whole brand, everything that we put into a brochure that we do needs to have the right language, the right tone of language. And that's where a good copywriter comes in, which I have a great couple copywriters in my back pocket. Um, and so, you know, the, the language, the visuals, the colors, you know, whether we're using sharp edges or we're using soft edges, whether we're using bubbles or we're using, uh, you know, lightning bolts, whatever it might be. You know, it all needs to feel. And there's this part where you just look at everything and it feels good. It feels right. It feels comfortable. It feels safe. And that's what we need, especially in the nonprofit world. I agree. I mean, safe on a number of levels. Um, safe to express ourselves, safe to do our work, safe for people to come to us. Mm -hmm. um, and you made the point earlier about the, that government can't do it all. Um, I actually think that people are more comfortable going to a nonprofit than to a government anyway, because nonprofits, you know, that because the people who work there are just seen as more regular, quote unquote, regular people, um, they're more inviting or can be more inviting. Um, right. So I, I agree with you, that whole sense of like, ah, I'm in the right place, whatever yeah. that place is, right? Uh, right. This is for me. I'm here. I belong here. Whoever I am, whatever I'm looking for. And, um, Okay, so now I'm imagining someone's listening to, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I don't know how to do this. Where do I start? What do I do? What is one of the first steps? Someone who's brand new reaches out to you and they've got maybe, and they're not brand new organization. They've been around five or six years. You know, they've been, they, they're not going under, but they're not like where they could be, where they know they could be and having the impact. What are maybe one of the first three steps you would have them do and how long is that process? Yeah. So the first thing that I know we do when we are meeting with a, a maybe a, a new nonprofit, again, maybe one that's been established for a number of years. And so they're kind of getting things rolling is that we, we start with looking at everything that they're doing. And I say, every piece of material you've put out there, let's look at, let's look at some of your, your email communications. Let's look at your social media. Let's look at those flyers that somebody in the office put together in Canva. Um, you know, let's look at all that stuff. And and I, as again, we talked about earlier, getting older and bolder. And I'll say, okay, honestly, let's look at this stuff. And you've got to be ready for me, you know, when when we talk about this, because I'm going to tell you the way it is and 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 in the in the light with my heart in it, is that, you know, we need to look and say, so I had a really funny thing that happened. We were writing, there was something that was written and it was for medical marketing. And it actually said in there, if you want to have killer marketing materials for medical, for, med, for the medical field. And I thought, oh, no, 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 we can't let. So again, just really being honest. And that's one of my things is, is let's look at this stuff. And what do we need to, where do we need to start? So let's start with, so the second step is kind of, let's start with the biggest one. What's the, maybe the most offensive one that's happening out there right now, or that the one that we look at and we think this could actually be having a negative impact. We need to remedy that right away. And so we kind of look at the big gaps and we say, okay. And then the next step is let's take that. And it was just like with the toolkits. Okay. We recognize with that organization 
that the pieces of communication that they were putting out were not working. And in, in various different programs that they had, we said, let's start with one. And so that was when we started with the vape toolkit. And we said, let's let's look at that. Let's really do that. Let's really look into that. Let's Let's get that and let's create it. So I say it's better to be good in a few places than to be not good in many places. And so people will sometimes try to, again, just kind of throw out that social media, go to Google Images and think, well, I just needed to have some engagement. Well, if it's not, it, if it's bad engagement, <laughs> it's negative engagement, then it's not. So let's hone in on the things that we can really make an impact on and that are kind of the big ones. And then it will just, it will, it will start to align and things will kind of, so again, you really need to, and that's a, one of my company's names is Stillwater Branding Design. And so again, that, that word Stillwater, it's okay, take a breath. Let's take this one step at a time. It doesn't need to be so overwhelming. It feels overwhelming, but let's break it down and let's make Let's make it not feel so big and, and scary. And we, we can do this. And we're going to just take it one step at a time. And, and, and then when you kind of do that with the first project or first piece of marketing material, whatever it might be, kind of getting a little bit of social media going, it's like, okay, well, let's just do a couple. Let's do two social media posts a week. And let's make them really good. Instead of doing seven a week that are not good, that somebody's out taking a picture and and you don't tell all your staff to just wherever you're at, wherever, you're, whatever you're doing, but everyone just take a picture and upload it to Facebook. No, don't do that. You need to be much more strategic. So have less posts, but have them be really good posts and really strategic. So again, it's, it's, it's taking that fear away of, oh my gosh, well, we can't do it. If we can't do it all, we can't do it. We can't do anything. Um, no, let's break it down into some easy steps. And um, and let's let's talk about that. And let's figure out how we can we can at least get started. So give me an example of what. So in that example, you said, like, tell your folks, don't go out and just take a bunch of pictures and upload them. Give me an example of what would be a more strategic instruction to give the team who wants to contribute. Um, so we'll just have a central person. That is the person who, and, and whether it's an internal person, I would suggest if you have any budget at all to not have it be an internal person is to try to hire that out. And again, and I know this is what we do with our clients is we start them if, if they don't have the budget for five social media posts a week, or whether it's just, we break it down. We say, let's just do two, but have them look really good. And so have templates that work and have one centralized person that has um, that's had maybe some instruction on what makes a good post, what doesn't, um, and make sure that that so that they have some guidance in getting that started. And then it's great to take pictures. It's I mean, you might capture some really awesome things of maybe you're out in the community and working with a client. Maybe it's somebody you're doing a job shadowing with, and they're at the park and and they're doing a volunteer and they're cleaning up, whatever it might be. And just you can capture that, but. Again, filter it through somebody who can look at that and pick the best of the best and post those items. And there's just going to be some things that one person might think is really kind of cute. Um, but again, it might not be on brand and it might not be the message you want to communicate. So you've got to have somebody that's responsible for that, kind of be that clearinghouse um, before things go out the door. I love that. Yeah. I'm one of those people who say, Sarah, just go do these things. I'm going, Okay. Once I got over it, because I knew I wasn't the last person touching it, it's like, I will give you the content you're asking for, yeah. right? Your job is to clean it up for me. Do not use it verbatim. So we do that as a team. You know, it's come like, okay, here's what I got from that. I'm going, pretty good. But I can tell you, I need to be more clear. So, but it's that thing of having a mirror that can come back, someone who can be external and give honest feedback with permission, right? I like that yeah. you're just honest like that, because honest, honestly, when people are paying you for your expertise, they're really not just paying you to say, oh, what a good job you've done. They're paying you to help them. That's right. You don't have to be brutal, right. but they're really paying you to help them and get some yeah. results. So, um, okay. Let me ask you, what um, question about marketing or nonprofits have I not asked you that you just feel like would be super great if I asked you right now? Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I guess that it would be, you know, because branding is my passion. And so I guess it would be at what 
point does a company know it's time to rebrand? And we we actually have a tool um, on our website, free tools page, that is about that. And it's funny how people will and and you know we have we have some organizations that you know some nonprofits. I talked to one just the other day, and they've been and they've been doing it for seventy five years. And I thought, well, you know, you should probably now they had did rebrand about 10 years ago. But again, to just there's there's small things that and when you're an internal in an organization and maybe you have had an executive director that has been there for a very long time, they haven't objectively looked at their logo or brand for I mean, we have one that has had the same logo for 55 years and they need to rebrand. They should. It, the value of rebranding is, I guess, um, a good question is what is the value of that? is that when you have something that is not working anymore, whether because in the competitive space that you're at, and nonprofits are in a competitive space as well, um, that it's not working, it's not resonating with the target audience, that it looks dated, that the colors don't work. I mean, color, color things change over time and that the way we use them, maybe it doesn't work in the industry. So there are questions to ask that are just really basic. But I think that you don't think about them when you've had a logo or had a brand for such a long period of time, you know, 55 or 60 years. And if somebody just says, well, you know what, go through this little checklist and then check back in with me and let me know how that went for you. And I think that that's important to stop, to step back and look and, and just be honest, take a really honest look. And sometimes you need that from the outside. Um, and that's you know, a the value- tool on your website. There is a tool on our website at um, TMS.marketing, and it's about when is it time to rebrand. And just, you know, just, I guess, really just being honest and looking at that and saying, my gosh, you know, and it's what's the what's the loss of when you need to rebrand and you don't is sometimes you don't even know. You don't know the people that you've not resonated with because it's not speaking to the target audience, that you're not in the right place in the competitive space anymore. And so you will not know those people that just took one look and then look the other way. And so when you rebrand, when it's the time and the time is right, it creates an excitement, it creates a new energy. It, it causes people to look and say, oh my gosh, what's going on here? There's something new and refreshing and um, and and there's sometimes that and we did we've done many rebrands where people have just been like, my gosh, I regret that I waited. And um, so don't wait if you're and, and I say if people have an inkling that maybe their logo and their branding is not working, it's probably not because, boy, if it's gotten to the point that you think it's not working, it's probably not been working for people outside the organization for a lot longer than you realize. And so you just got to take that leap of faith. And it's okay. It's it, it it's okay to rebrand. It will all work out. And in in it when it's the right time, it's going to benefit you so much. That's powerful. And I'm going to pull that down because I will check it out. And folks listening, I'm gonna there will be the usual links in the show notes for you, so you don't have to go. What what was that? We'll have them for you like we always do. Um, so, Vicky, before we wrap the podcast, I've started doing a different thing. Because the podcast is something that we, I, we, I, the royal we, we self-fund this. But I am, so when I go back and look at the more than 300 episodes and all the guests, yourself included, who give so much value, I realize that people who want to be on this show, some of them just want to be on the show so they can say I was on a podcast. But I realized that there's an opportunity to ask those folks, okay, but to be on the podcast, I would like for you to listen to one or two episodes. I don't care which ones. I'm not directing this, but I want you to take away one lesson, one something that touched you from a previous person and share with our audience now who that person was, the episode number, so they can go back and um, listen to it if they're curious. And also so we can let that guest know that they actually reach someone they may not even know. Right. So who's that well, for you? Okay. So I'm not going to know the episode number because um, I actually look, I listened to, I listened to one and then I listened to more. And so, but it was Whitney and it was fairly recently, I think. And it was about the resilience battery. 
Okay. And um, so when I read, when I looked at the title, I thought, oh, this is one I want to listen to because I'm so much about the, the no regrets philosophy. And I have often talked to people, not even know where I got it from. I like to think that I created it myself, but it's about the resilience muscle. And so we talk and I talk about building your resilience muscle, just like you build any other muscle in your body. We can build our brain the muscles in our brain, the brain cells by reading and educating ourselves. You know, we, we exercise to build our muscles and we build our resistance and our resilience muscle by doing things and going past that, taking that leap of faith or going through things and thinking, okay, I can either succumb to this and just retreat, or I can just, I can just go at it and just, and just work and power through and those things build that resilience muscle, that resistance, that resilience muscle every time you do something like that. And so think of it that way is everything you go through that's a challenge. If you go, if you go through it, instead of just retreating and just work your way through it, you're going to build that resilience muscle. And that every time then you go through something else down the road, you think, okay, well, I've, I've got myself built up and I'm ready for this. And the next challenge won't be so scary. It, it won't create so much anxiety because you'll be able to say, I got through that thing. I can get through this thing, no problem. And I've had some things in my life, in my early 20s, I went through, um, I, was a, I was an alcoholic and went through recovery. And that, that incident, that time in my life, has caused anything I've gone through to say, I went through that, I can go through just about anything. And so it, again, it built up that muscle. I mean, that was, that was a strong time of building up that muscle. And I've had little things over the years that have continued to build it, but, um, but you just go through them. Just, just do it because it will make things down the road easier, even if it, it really doesn't feel so great today. Well, I'm going to look real quick so that we can put the actual title in the recorded part of Whitney's and that you're right. It was a recent one. So one second, I know I love our guest monitoring your resilience battery with Whitney Sullivan. And that was episode three Oh four. So folks go back and check that out. Whitney was a great guest, you know, and I learned so much from everybody. So thanks for giving her props and sharing specifically how you benefited from that podcast. And listeners, feel free to write in and share how you benefited from listening today to Vicki, because I've learned a bunch. And I know that those of you listening are getting information out of it as well. And I hope that you're inspired to do two things. One, to go to her website and download the rebranding questionnaire or the checklist. Um, I think that's so timely. I'm thinking of ourselves also, because we're in the middle of a re format, not reformatting structure, but really, really thinking about our narrative. What are we saying? Because it's confusing to people. I own that right now because I don't take the time to do it. And people go, but I'm not clear on what you're doing. I said, let me, I don't have two hours every time. So to your point, right? Good marketing, good communication. Um, So I'm going to pull that down and I'm encouraging all the nonprofits. If you're listening to this and you're a board member of a nonprofit, I really encourage you to share this with other board members and to challenge yourself if you've not thought about marketing being an integral part of your budget so that you can actually have a reserve fund so that your organization is stable over time and that when change happens, as we know it does, that you guys will still be standing to serve your communities. Marketing, communications, if you want to call it communication, that is important so that your grantors, the people you serve, and your community knows that you are a champion of that nonprofit. So that's my call to action, besides liking and reviewing this episode, if you'd be so kind. Whitney, Whitney, now you got me thinking about Whitney. Um, (laughs) Vicki, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today. And I have loved learning from you. This has been fantastic. Yeah. And I just wanted to make another note that there is another free tool on the website that is uh, marketing for nonprofits specifically. Um, so that's another one, but this has been fantastic. I um, just, the the nonprofit world is near and dear to my heart. And so this has just really been wonderful to be able to talk about it and learn from you, Sarah. And I just, I knew when we 
connected that this was going to be a wonderful podcast interview. I felt the same way. I'm thinking, Vicki, she might be a sister I haven't met yet. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) There we go. Okay, folks, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.